Well, we're kicking off this brand new series, a Christmas series called Hope Has a Name. If I had a subtitle for today, I would call it this, but wait, there's more. Okay, so that would be the subtitle, and I say that because I, I don't like watching TV a whole lot. I'm not a, a huge TV watcher, um, but probably my least favorite part of watching TV would be the commercials. Anybody out there with me, you just don't enjoy commercials? Come on, just wave at me. Wave online. You say, man, I don't like the commercials. They just, they're loud. They're obnoxious, and, and yet I got to be honest with you. I'm going to go ahead and say this, that I, I seem to, I've discovered this, I seem to have a soft spot in my heart for Christmas commercials. I don't know why. It's the music, or maybe it's the snow, or maybe it's because it just reminds us that Christmas is getting closer. Anybody else enjoy the, the Christmas commercials? Anybody online enjoy Christmas commercials? Nobody? You know, <laughs> you're just like, I don't like commercials as, as, as a whole. I have a soft spot for the Christmas commercials, uh, but it seems like around Black Friday and Cyber Monday, it's just like everything in the world is half price. Have you noticed that? I mean, like everything's on sale, but the one that probably intrigues me the most is when you get sucked into one of those commercials where they just keep piling it on, but wait. There's more. You ever watch one of those and find yourself getting just a little bit, you're dropping your guard. It's Christmas, and, and you're starting to get a little bit like, hmm, well, I, I could use that set of knives. Well, one time, Casey, my, my wife and I, we were down in Florida. We had flown into Florida, preached that night, got up early the next day, different than our body's time, a little earlier than normal, and they had an early service. I believe we did like three services, came, uh, went, went out to eat, came back to the hotel, and we were just tired just tired. We turned on the TV to watch the football game, and man, wouldn't you know it, one of those commercials came on, and friends, it just started hypnotizing me. I mean, the, the longer I watched it, at first I was like, man, we don't need that. A few minutes into it, I was like, I mean, we might need it. <laughs> but then when they keep on, I was like, if you call now, you won't get one blender, not two blenders, not three blenders. We're going to send you 12 blenders plus if you call in the next 30 seconds, we're going to send you these knives and a new car for $9.99. Come on, you've seen those before, right? And you're watching that and you just think, man, this is too good to be true. That's a saying that has some value to it, right? When it seems like it's too good to be true, it usually is. I wonder if that's what this guy was thinking in Acts chapter 3 as we come to this story. Acts chapter 3, I believe that God's going to use this message to bless you, but I really think that, that as he finds himself in a difficult spot, and then all of a sudden, these men of God come to him with this news. I think that when, he, when, he, when it first just entered into his mind, he had to be thinking, man, there's got to be a catch. There's no way. This is just too good to be true. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Let's jump into the story, and you'll see what I'm talking about. It says, Peter and John went from the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. We're talking about Peter and John. We're talking about two dudes that were old fishing buddies. They were now followers of Jesus. And as a result of following Jesus, they had left their fishing days behind and he had now made them fishers of men. And now they're going to the temple for the three o'clock prayer meeting at the temple. Verse two, as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from people going into the temple. Now pause for just a moment and let these words sink in so that you can register just a little bit about the condition 
that this individual is in. Luke is the one who's writing the book of Acts. Luke happens to be a physician. So Dr. Luke doesn't just say that this dude was broken. He gives us a little bit of a description to understand that this is a lame man who had been lame since birth. We know from a little later in the story, he's now 40 years old. So 40 years this man's been lame. For 40 years from birth, he never learned to walk. Never ran and played with the other little kids. Think about the emotional toll, the, 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 the mental toll. Think about all that it would go through his mind and his thoughts and his emotions as he watched, watched families walk down the street together. When he watched people dance and wedding celebrations or festivals and different festivities, he's watching this knowing that he'll never be able to participate in those things. He can only watch and wish And after 40 years of hoping, 40 years of trying, no doctor or treatment or effort has helped, and now this man is hopeless. You may not be able to relate to his physical condition in the terms that I just described, but almost all of us can relate to moments or seasons of feeling hopeless. For some people, circumstances have already this year just sucked the hope right out of the holidays for you. Maybe it's because you just lost a job. Uh, Maybe it's because there's a family issue that you or your loved ones are going through, and instead of getting better, it's actually getting worse. Maybe you recently heard some medical news or got a report from the doctor, and, and man, because of what you're hearing, because of what you're experiencing, the last thing that you want to do is sing a bunch of happy songs because your heart is so heavy. Well, for this lame man, he was not merely hopeless, But he had gotten desperate. He was living a desperate life. Look at what it says in verse 3. When he saw Peter and John about to enter this temple, he asked them for some money. Obviously, he couldn't work. For this guy, this was a matter of survival. For this guy, this was desperation. I mean, his whole win in life. Think about this. The way he measured if today was a good day or a bad day all hinged on how much pocket change he could get from the people who passed by. So as Peter and John walked by, he calls out to them and he asks for money. And you can imagine how excited he must have been, how his eyes must have lit up with Peter's response in verse 4. When he calls out and says, hey, can you guys give me some money? It says in verse 4, Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. I mean, he, he, he got so excited because like, hey, can, can I have some money? Hey, could you spare a little change? A lot of people just continue to pass. A lot of people, like many of us, no eye contact. You want to look at a beautiful gate instead of a broken man. And so we continue just to walk. And yet Peter and John, they stop and they look intently at him. And whenever they do, they said, hey, man, let me have your attention. Hey, look at us. He got so excited, like these dudes are about to bless me. They're about to help me. But then look at what it says next in verse 6. He says, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. Can you imagine the disappointment? I mean, it's almost like the guy had to be thinking, you're messing with me. Hey, look at us. Oh, you need some change? I don't have any. I mean, it's one of those things where you think, this guy was like, what? You stopped. You told me to look at you. And then you're going to say, we don't have any silver or gold. But Peter's really setting it up here because he's basically saying to the dude, but wait. Come on, say it with me. There's more. 
He says, I don't have any silver or gold, but look what he says in the rest of verse 6. I love it. He says, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and he began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar that they had seen at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. Wow, come on, don't miss the magnitude of this moment and the Emotions that must have been flooding a dude who for 40 years could not stand on his own two feet. For 40 years saw the world probably the vast majority of the time from like ankle level looking up. And now he's up here and he's like, the world looks so much different from up here. His feet were strengthened. His ankles were strengthened. His legs were strong. He began to walk, walking, turned to running, running into leaping. He's dancing. He's praising God. But it wasn't just the flood of emotions for him himself personally. He walks with Peter and John into the temple. And while he does, he continues to worship God. Now, all these dudes were in there worshiping, right? It was the prayer meeting going on. So they're having their prayer time, right? So they're being very somber, very sacred as they're praying, but then they hear somebody just cutting up and making some noise, like, what in the world? And they look back and see this dude jumping up and down like, what is he doing? That's that lame man. They knew and they had seen him for days, weeks, months, and years begging. They knew who he was, and now he's jumping up and down and praising God, and it says they were absolutely astounded. He was blown away. They were blown away. And I believe that God wants to speak something to your heart today for you to see and for me to realize that our stories aren't a whole lot different than this man's story. The question is, am I still astounded by what he's up to? I want us to look at this story. It's not really a Christmas passage, but it is a great Christmas story because it reminds us, just like the Christmas season reminds us about what true miracles and what true hope, what true life change really looks like. So today, I just want to give you three quick thoughts of what Christmas reminds us of, and then we'll wrap up. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Number one, Christmas reminds us of our hope in Jesus. Christmas reminds us of our hope being in Jesus. This lame man was looking for his hope in money. I mean, he needed just enough money to have just enough hope to just barely make it through one more day so that he could go to sleep, wake up, and start all over. Like many of us, even if he had gotten what he was looking for, he would not have truly experienced what he needed because he needed more than money. He needed hope. You might even say it this way. If he had just gotten the money he would have missed out on the miracle. Peter and John saw what he wanted, but they knew what he really needed. They saw a lame man's problem, but they saw as he was begging for money that they should turn his eyes not towards a purse, but towards a person in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Rise up. 
I think Peter saw the trial, but he also offered hope. I think that's what he did when he was writing in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6 where he says, so be truly glad that's, that there's wonderful joy ahead even though you must endure many trials for a little while. See, trials are a part of this world, but your trials never have to rob you of your hope. The reason you and I can have hope when we're facing a trial is that this is the name that's above all names. How many of you know today that Jesus' name is above cancer? Can you say amen to that? Don't you understand that Jesus is above divorce, he's above bankruptcy, and yes, verily I say unto you, it's even above COVID. Can I get a witness right now? Jesus' name is above everything. And brothers and sisters, I know that many of us are carrying a lot of stuff this season. I know that this has been a crazy year. I know that we're all battling pandemic exhaustion. We're tired of hearing about it. We're tired of thinking about it. We're tired of wiring up our worlds around it. We're tired of being impacted by it. But this Christmas, we can't afford to fall into the similar trap that this lame man experienced to where we start looking for temporary relief from our pain just so that we can get through another day. Because for, for many people, that's what Christmas has become kind of a bright spot in the calendar, and we, we look forward to it, and we anticipate some of the, the, the presents or the parties, and, and we look forward to some of the gatherings if we're able to do them, and, and we're looking forward to this because it will provide some sort of temporary reprieve from the pain of this world. But listen, the holiday itself, even with all of its trimmings, Christmas, the holiday, doesn't fill us with hope. How many of you know what it's like to experience the Christmas letdown? You know what I'm talking about. You look forward to it. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's here. You tear up all the paper. You eat all the food. And after you get done, your stomach is full. Your bank is empty and bills are coming due. And you're like, oh, man, it's not as magical anymore. It's because Christmas doesn't fill me with hope. My hope is found in a person, and his name is Jesus. Come on, somebody say Jesus. You may be battling with physical, financial, or emotional pain, but I want you to know that hope in Jesus is above all of these things. It's in a name, but not just any name. It's not the name of your boss, not the name of your boyfriend, not even the name of Santa Claus. Don't look for people or things to bring you hope. It's not in your circumstances, not in your surroundings. It's not on, if I get promotion, then I'm going to have hope. If the judge rules in my favor, then I'm going to have hope. If my husband quits drinking, then I'm going to have hope. If my kids start acting right, then I'm going to have hope. Don't allow your circumstances to rob you from your hope. On that very first Christmas, God became flesh. God put on flesh and he came to this earth. Divinity put on the skin of humanity. The light of the world stepped into the darkness of our lives to bring us hope. Listen to how Matthew records it in chapter one. He says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. 
For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Listen to verse 21. And she will have a son, and you are to name him. Come on, say it with me. Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. There is power in the name of Jesus. That is what Christmas is all about. Christmas is more than a what. It is a who. It's not about the tinsels and bells and the holiday smells, but hope has a name. Come on, somebody shout Jesus. I guess what gets me excited most about Christmas is not simply that Jesus came to earth, but it's that Jesus came to me. It's not that I just celebrate that over 2,000 years ago that he came into a, a, a manger or into a stable and we sing the songs. That, 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 that's great. But what's most exciting is that Jesus came and introduced his love and his hope to Scotty, to me personally. And if you have not experienced him, if you have not encountered him, he wants to introduce himself to you. He may come to you and say, they call me Jesus, son of Joseph, the carpenter. But I know that's kind of long, so let me give you some more options. In Isaiah, Isaiah called me Emmanuel, wonderful counselor. He called me the mighty God. He called me the everlasting father, the prince of peace. John, John called me the word in the flesh, the lamb of God, the light of the world, the bread of life, and the good shepherd. I also go by the living water, the door, the way, the truth, the life, the Messiah, the anointed one, the savior of the world. I am the king of kings, and I am the Lord of lords. But you can call me Jesus. Come on, aren't you thankful for the name of Jesus? There's power in the name of of Jesus. Let me give you the second thing that Christmas reminds us. It reminds us not only that our hope is found in him, but it reminds us that we can trust in his plan. Christmas reminds us. Listen, don't miss this, friends. This is a powerful truth. This, this season should be reinforcing this in your spirit. You can always, somebody say always, you can always trust his plan. Just about every Christmas, my dad likes to play a family game with all of us. He'll get us all together, whoever is able to make it, and we'll get together and we'll play a family version of Let's Make a Deal. And it's always fun because dad would get maybe some household items, you know, a few these things. Maybe he'll purchase a, a little bit nicer gift or two. He'll wrap some of the gifts and others they'll just be, you know, exposed there on the table for you to choose from. Whenever you pick what you pick, he'll, he'll play Let's Make a Deal with you. Like, okay, do you want to trade that in, and I'll give you this instead type of a thing. And, and so he kind of uh, ups the excitement a little bit. He lets us know that there are also cash prizes to be won. And so everybody's like, oh, that's what I'm holding out for. Man, you can keep your slinky. <laughs> I want the 20 spot. That's what I want. You know, they'll kind of wait on the money. Well, one, one of the years, somebody went over, and they got one of the gifts, and they opened it up, and it was a roll of toilet paper. Now, see, that's what we don't understand today. There used to be a time to where you didn't want to get a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> if that happened this year, somebody be saying, deal, I'll take it. Jehovah Jireh, yes, I'll hold on to this toilet paper. At the time, they're like, oh, man, I don't want to. Oh, my goodness. And so I don't remember what dollar amount that he offered them, but he said something like, you know, I'll give you $10 for a deal if you give me that roll of toilet paper. And they were like, deal, you can have it, and handed it over, and they got their $10. He said, now, if you would have just taken just a second to unroll it just a little bit, 
And again, I don't remember how much it was, but it was something like $20, $50, something like that. You could have had this $50 bill like, oh, man. How many of you know, not just in that moment, but in our lives, you better be careful about judging the content of something by what it's wrapped in. I just wonder if that's what was going on with this dude in Acts chapter 3. Like, what had happened, what would have happened if he'd have gone off of just the exterior and just the surface? Listen to this. What if he would have interrupted Peter? Hey, can you guys give me some money? Hey, you two dudes walking right there. Yeah, you. Hey, can you get, look at us. Okay, I'm looking at you. Yeah, man, go ahead and hand me something. We don't have any silver or gold. But I'll tell you something. No, you know what? Why don't you keep your little story? (laughs) I'm looking for silver or gold. So if you want to give me a Christian track, take it to somebody else because I can't buy bread with your Christian track. I'm looking for silver or gold. Well, I don't have any silver or gold, but let me tell you about Jesus. Oh, I heard about Jesus. He was that false prophet that they finally killed and crucified. So save your little Christian story. Save your little Bible story. Talk to me. Come back when you have some silver or gold. How many of you know that he would have missed out on the miracle of rise up and walk? See, you got to be careful about jumping to conclusions when you don't understand what God is up to. Sometimes God's way of blessing you looks very different than what you're even praying for. In the Old Testament, back when they were looking forward to the very first Christmas, they were getting promises or prophecies about what this coming Savior would look like. I won't take time to read it, but you can look at it in Isaiah chapter 7. There's another place in Jeremiah chapter 23. Those references are on your U version on your Bible app under People's Church, so you can find them there. But in those places and others, God was speaking to his people saying, I know that you are suffering. I know that you are being oppressed. But I want you to know that there is coming a day to where the king, the conquering king is coming and will deliver you. He will be strong. He will deal with your oppressors. He will deliver you. He will set you free. So how many of you know that they were so confused when they, hey, the king is, is arriving, the king is, king is coming, and he showed up in a staple. How many of you know that they were a little bit confused after waiting for thousands of years for these promises to come true? And when he came, he wasn't what they thought he would look like. They, he wasn't what they expected. And as a result, many rejected him because he was not coming in the package that they pictured. Listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 13 when people were talking about Jesus as he was teaching. It says in Matthew 13 verse 54, coming to his hometown, Jesus began teaching the people in their synagogue and they were amazed. Not necessarily in a good way. Look at what it says. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And look at verse 57. And they took offense at him. Standing that close to God. Looking at God in the flesh. And because he didn't look like what they had pictured, because he didn't come like what they expected, 
They see him and cynically question him and then ultimately reject and resent him saying, who does he think that he is? Man, a lot of times we're confused. A lot of times we don't understand. And I can get it why. I mean, even for them on the first Christmas, they're saying, so you're saying he's the son of Joseph or are you saying he's the son of God? Yes. Are you saying he's divinity or are you saying he is humanity? Exactly. You're telling me he created the whole world, but he was born last week in the manger. Yes. I'm going to need to sit down for a minute. I mean, you can understand why they would be so confused, but you and I have the luxury of knowing the whole story, don't we? And seeing how God fulfilled his promise then, he came that time like he said that he would, and you and I can have hope for tomorrow that he's coming back like he promised he would. Jesus is coming for us so we can trust his plan. We can trust his promises even when we don't understand it, even when it looks hopeless. We can trust him. Let's get real for just a minute because I don't want this to be something to where it's just surface and and you're just encouraged at a certain level, but then you wrestle with real when you get home. While we're here on this earth, it's going to be hard. This is not heaven. This is earth. Now, you think the way we've all gone through 2020, you would think that 2021 is going to be heaven. You would think that because we're all acting like January 1st. So how many times have you said this? Just get me through 2020. Just get me out of here. If I can just get through 2020. As if on January 1st, the calendar's going to flip and everything, oh, it's just better now. It's just easy. It's going to be just like that Christmas letdown. Hey, I'm praying for breakthrough. I'm praying for blessings. I'm believing for the greatest year ever. But I know this, outside of being in heaven, we're still going to be on earth. My hope's not tied to a date on the calendar. It's not tied to a breakthrough in, 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 in vaccines. It's not tied to a doctor's report. It's not tied to my bank account. It's not tied to what's in my refrigerator. It's not tied to anything any person can do for me. And so if God is allowing me to walk through some fire or some difficulty, I don't have to understand it in order to still find hope and rest in it. I can have hope this Christmas because hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. And if Jesus is what I have, then if all I have is what I need, everything's going to be All right, you can rest in his plan. Let me get this third and this final part, and we'll wrap up. And it's this Christmas reminds us that God wants us to share his hope. He wants us to share it with others. He wants us to not only experience it personally, but to share it with those still in need of it. Back to the story of the lame man. What's really cool about his story is that he's healed He's freaking out. He's blown away. He just, he just can't, I, I just jogging in place. Like everybody's just like, man, what in the world is going on? Everywhere he's going, he's just, because he's never been able to do it. Jumping jacks. I don't, I don't know all that. I think he's high stepping. I think he's just like, he is so excited. His story begins to spread. It says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 4 that as a result of his story, 5,000 people get saved. 
It makes me wonder what would have happened if Peter and John had not stopped. For him, for the 5,000 and all of the people that loved him, what about the dudes who picked him up and carried him everywhere he needed to go? What about his mom who was heartbroken over his situation? All the people involved and the 5,000 plus, what would have happened if Peter and John had been more focused on a beautiful gate than a broken man? What if they had said, I'm so busy, I got to get to prayer? That's a noble thing. I got to get to where I'm going. I don't have time. What if they had focused on what they did not have and they used that as an excuse for not doing what they could have done? Hey, do you have some money? Sorry, bro, I don't. I'm out right now. They could have easily said, this is what I don't have. Can't do what you're wanting. But they looked past beyond what the dude thought he wanted to what they knew he needed. They said, I don't have silver or gold, but wait, there's more. I've got a little something better for you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Don't be lame anymore. Don't be broken anymore. Don't be hopeless anymore. Don't be discouraged anymore. Don't be depressed anymore. Stand up on your feet. Lift your hands. Jump up and down. Give glory to God. You are healed in Jesus' name. Aren't you glad that they didn't focus on what they didn't have? They didn't stop for every beggar. At least there's no record of Scripture or any indication that Jesus even stopped for every single need and every single person. You know why? Because he's teaching us God has not called any of us to meet every need, but he's, calls, he's called all of us to reach certain needs. No one can do everything, but everybody can do something. And this Christmas season, if we get so caught up, if I get so caught up in all of the stuff and I lose sight of the fact that everything that's going on in our culture right now by way of celebrating Christmas is God teeing it up. There are people singing Christmas songs who don't know Jesus. They don't even know what they're singing about. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Hey, I have a little more punch. Thank you. Oh, come. They don't even know. You're like, bro, do you know him? Like, for real, joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive their king. They're singing it. Bro, have you received him? And get caught up in all this stuff. Look, there are lights everywhere. The whole world is locked in on the greatest story of all time. They just need somebody who can stop long enough. To, oh, I know what you're asking for. I know what you're hoping for. But, bro, I got to take you deeper. There's something bigger, something greater that won't just give you satisfaction for a moment, but it will give you eternal life forever. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. That's what Christmas really is all about. I want to pray for you today. And as we get ready to, I just want to encourage you to think of the Christmas story. You can even read about it in Luke chapter 2. I won't take the time now, but basically when the shepherds experienced hope, they just then turned and said, let's go spread the word and tell everybody about the Savior being born. That's our next step. We've got to be careful not get caught up in all of the stuff. And parents with kids, like kids are saying, I want I want, they're making Christmas lists. Nothing wrong with that. But we can't be the opposite of Peter and John and saying, well, 
you know what? That's what they're asking for. So I'm just going to throw some silver and gold at it. We got to look at it and go, but what they really need this season more than anything is a dad that can show them, here's what it looks like. Look at me. Here's what it looks like to experience the God of the universe on a personal level. They don't need more toys. They need more Jesus. Now, if some of y'all show up and you give your kids like, hey, I didn't get you any toys, but here's a picture of Jesus. So we're going to call you the Scrooge. That's what we're going to call you because that is not what I'm saying. I think had Peter and John had a little change, they'd probably said, yeah, for sure, man. But something will give you even better. This is not bad to get Christmas gifts. I'm saying don't do all of that and lose sight of the moment, the opportunity to say, am I bringing hope? Through buying, buying presents, right? The gifts that we're doing for, for families that are in need right now, for giving to the miracle offering. When you're doing that, that's what you're doing. Is we're spreading hope all over the world. Don't miss Christmas. Don't miss the opportunities around you. Stop long enough. Let God work through you. Who knows the ripple effect of what will happen because you share his hope. Let's pray together. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I just want to pray over you. Lord, I pray for people who are carrying heavy burdens today that today's message of Christmas, the hope, the hope that's in the name of Jesus would fill their hearts and their minds today. Lord, I know that Christmas doesn't change our circumstances. Some are still facing some very, very serious and scary moments, conversations, decisions, long nights, tear-filled nights, long days, confusing days. Lord, would you walk into their situation and bring your peace? Would you bring your hope and let them be able to sing with confidence? that you're with them, and that you're for them. Life on this earth is short. Eternity is long. And Christmas reminds us that, yes, you fulfilled your, your promise to come the first time, and you will fulfill your promise to come again for us, to take us to a place where there will be no more heartache and no more pain, no more tears. So, Lord, minister to your people, and I pray that all of us would spread hope this Christmas season. Lord, please. Help us to take advantage of every opportunity for what you want us to do. In Jesus' name.